Welcome to KC Corner, Episode 3. This week we are recapping Part 5 of the sermon series, Triumph of the Lamb, and we'll be looking ahead to Part 6 coming up this Sunday as we continue through the book of Revelation. We will also tackle a question of the week from the congregation about last week's sermon. Let's go. Good morning, welcome to episode three of KC Corner. How's it going, Jeff? It's going great, Brooks. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing great. We'll get our lightning talk out of the way already, and they got another good overtime win last night. It was an incredible win. One of the best wins of the season. And by the way, nice shirt. I wish you all could see it. He's wearing his lightning garb today. So go Bolts. Had to represent him this morning. Absolutely. So we can jump right into our recap last week of Part 5, A Triumph of the Lamb, where we looked at the church in Pergamum um, and everything that they were going through. Yeah. You know, Pergamum's an interesting place. Uh, one of the things I love learning about them was that, again, if uh, if you look at the churches that uh, John wrote to, this would probably be like the Washington, D.C., uh, as far as churches, as far as kind of the political area. And uh, it was a place that was filled with worldviews that were opposed to Christianity and a place that was uh, incredibly pagan and a place where they worshipped the emperor that Caesar is Lord was so pervasive. And the church, in a lot of ways, was doing well. I loved all the praise they got. But here's the point. Uh, when the church was attacked head on to deny Jesus, they didn't do it. But what happened is, is the world seeped in when they were invited to participate in worldly activities, they became more and more worldly and uh, uh, started to lose the truth. And again, that's the key word there, Brooks, is, is truth. If there's one thing to focus on for Pergamum is how important it is for a church to hold on to God's truth, not to... Not to let that blend into the world. So, so that kinda, was it. We kind of talked about it last week where um, with all the twisted ideas in the world and how churches can uh, push back against it and keep their own faith. Um, and it's very important for the church in Pergamum and still important today. Yeah, it really is. I mean, again, we live in a time where uh, ideas are going to be coming to us faster than ever. And, uh, you know, maybe this city, Jesus says, yeah, I know where you live and this is a hotbed uh, for a lot of bad thought. But nowadays, it doesn't matter where you live, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what the internet does. Exactly. I mean, you know, just uh, it's amazing what's at your fingertips, both good and bad. And so uh, I think truth has always been imperative that the church knows it, lives it. And I think I think that's the big thing, Brooks. If there's a takeaway, it's that the church needs to clearly confess the truth that Jesus is Lord. And we confess that verbally and we confess that with our lifestyles. And so you confess that, hey, just he is the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, Jesus uh, was very specific and clear about the fact that truth is embodied in him. But the church has got to do more than just confess it. They got to walk in that truth. We got to live that out and uh, um, and then spread the truth. And I think, think about that. In our society, those are three things that go against the grain. You know, if, if you stick... If you confess to the truth of Christ as Lord, you know, you're going to get a shot at. And if you start walking in the truth, you'll go be a target. And then people will say, well, keep your truth to yourself. I mean, spreading the truth is a, is a interesting thing in today's day and age as well. But that's what we've always been called to do as Christians. Yeah, and I know just something funny popped in my head um, when we were in like elementary school and we were going on uh, field trips. 
wearing our red shirts, khaki pants. The teachers always told us, hey, like, be on your best behavior because we're representing not only Orangewood, but also the Lord uh, and yeah. Jesus and everything. And we wanted to set a good um, precedent for them. Well, that's good. And, you know, I'm glad that you not only that, but you got confused, I think, when you went on those field trips. Are they from Target because they have red shirts? And <laughs> exactly. That, that's the other thing. It's like, wow, those kids are really bad. So when you represent Target, you really want to walk in the truth. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah. But, you know, and there, there's a sense of that. And I think uh, it's true because we bear the name of Christ. And uh, he's going to love us. And and um, But the reality is, you know, we are, we are oftentimes the world's, um, can only see Christianity through us. And so if we're not living the truth, we're denying them the opportunity to see the truth. Right. And so, uh, going into our question of the week now, um, cause it has to do with your sermon last week, letting you expand on the point. You, you're kind of running out of time, uh, last week, um, when you got in the hidden manna and then your new name on the new white stone uh tombstone so you can kind of expand on that yeah it wasn't really tombstone it was really kind of probably more of a stone you could handle have in your hand and uh um and again we ran out of time because what a great week of last sunday wasn't it oh amazing that was finally amazing. part of the church yeah exactly <laughs> official brooks it was fantastic a baptism uh, uh of, of rachel and and uh to have you guys join and what, what a great sunday and scott was rocking it on the piano as always so <laughs> it was awesome Okay, you know, it's interesting, this white stone, um, Jesus is going to say to those who overcome, he's going to promise this hidden manna, um, and he's also going to promise what you ask about this white stone with a new name written on the stone. And I'm not kidding you, I've read about 12 different explanations, and I think most people say we don't know for sure what it meant. And I want to take that liberty and say, I think it's really cool if we can figure out what it could have meant, because I think there's some important things. One is that a white stone was used like a die uh, for ancient Roman jurors to, to throw in their vote. Um, if it was a black stone, they're guilty. If it's a white stone, they're innocent. So the white stone can kind of show that we are declared innocent. And I love the thought of that, hey, you will be declared in Christ innocent, not guilty, um, because of, remember, Christ's life, death, and resurrection. So you will be given a stone of innocence that, that, that although we uh, um, deserve to be condemned to die because we're sinners, uh, we will be declared not guilty in Christ. So one of the white stones is that, that kind of that, that stone would be rolled in on our account uh, in Judgment Day, not guilty in Christ. Uh, pretty cool, isn't that? Yeah, I don't even have anything to add. That's just good news to hear. Yeah, it sure is. I'm glad we tackled that after. Yeah, and, and you know, there's also a sense where that stone oftentimes was used like a ticket, like an admission ticket, and probably to something like a banquet. And if he's talking about hidden manna, he's, he's talking about... Um, uh, what is to come? This 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 supper, uh, the marriage uh, supper of the Lamb. I mean, at the end when uh, we are gathered together, there is going to be a celebration where Jesus is going to be the head of, and if He is the true bread from heaven, the true living bread, this true manna, um, and we will have an invitation. The white stones like our invitation that with our name on it, our name at the table, and that name is probably the name of Christ upon us. Um, and then lastly. Uh, there's some really interesting things about um, uh, when in the Old Testament, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, uh, he would wear uh, some stones on his shoulders that represented the names of the 12 tribes. And he also wore it on his chest. And 
it represented apparently that white one just kind of is, is, is part of there on the shoulders that would represent uh, or on the chest would represent God's people. Um, and so, um, and it kind of points to Jesus's high priestly role. So those are the three that to me percolated up uh, that, that were really kind of worth, huh, interesting. I don't know exactly what this white stone um, with a new name that's uh, probably the name of Christ on us, but I know it's good stuff, Brooks. Well, it's going to be a great celebration to attend one day. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Glad, glad we're all invited. Amen to that. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And remember how the, the invitation was expensive. I mean, it was, it's not a cheap invitation. It costs Jesus's life, death, and resurrection for us to be invited. The good news. Yahoo. So then now, jumping into looking forward to this week and the church in Thyatira. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been pronouncing that all a couple days. <laughs> Thyatira, Thyatira. So it's a different one. Tongue twister. It really is. Uh, Thyatira, um, they, commentary writers will say, was not as a big or as an important city. Um, as like Ephesus or Pergamum or even Smyrna. Don't Pete tell the people of Thyatira. Um, apparently known more for commerce um, than it was for some other things. And so, um, you know, uh, but it was, it was a church that was probably one of the smallest at the time, but got the most ink. And uh, what Jesus says about it is mostly glowing. I mean, it, it, it really goes into some details that they had good works. They were loving well. And the really what I like about it is that they were they were better uh, as time moved forward. Ephesus, the longer that they were in existence, they, they were exhorted. Go back to the beginning. You guys were better in the beginning. And we as Christians should always be growing. But if there's one word, it's this. It's holiness. Is that they had uh, uh, kind of let the world in as well. And um, it didn't seem to be as important to, to be holy. And I think that when it comes to holiness, I, what we have to know, Brooks, is that the purpose of God, what God wants from us, is to be like him. And what we will be one day when we are complete and our glorification will be holy. And so as God is holy, he's called us to be holy. Now, there's been a lot of confusions, a confusion of what holiness looks like. We often go one of two ways, that salvation is all by God's grace, uh, and it doesn't matter what we do. And uh, that's kind of called licentiousness, where it's not, hey, there's no more law. Jesus has fulfilled it all. Everything's forgiven and under the blood. Just do what feels right. And that's just not right, because God has freed us to live as we are supposed to, and we're supposed to be like him. But there's also the other side of it that no one likes either. It's legalism. I mean, it just becomes like that we're to be holy or self-righteous. And that's just not right. So we're going to look at Thyatira, and we're going to try to figure out what is what is holiness look like in your life? What does it look like in my life? And why is it important? So what I hope to say is to give us um, a, a real good picture of what God's word shows us about the importance of being holy. I'll look forward to it. Yeah, it sounds like kind of going through the sermon series of he dishes they dish out all these compliments to these churches, but then hit you with something like that they have wrong with you. It's yeah. funny. They get, they build your confidence up, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it is kind of, I guess that's probably pretty strategic. You know, you want to start off with something, you want the good news or the bad news. And, uh, uh, they usually start with the good news. Remember there's two churches that don't have any bad news. Um, and that's, uh, Smyrna and Philadelphia. There's one church that doesn't have any good news and that's Sardis. Uh, that's going to come up next week. And then, uh, you know, the rest of them, uh, and there's certainly a pattern. And what I, 
what I hope to have people see through this is that there's kind of one key word that comes up. Ephesus, think love. They lost their 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 first love. Uh, when uh, and how important it is for the church to have love. When it comes to Smyrna, uh, think uh, tribulation that a churches could thrive in tribulation. Uh, when it comes to Pergamum, think truth, um, and that's a key thing. And when it, it comes to Thyatira, uh, think holiness. And so we'll have a couple more down the road. Um, so. Yeah, I can't wait. It's always a joy to gather and celebrate and worship our great God. Well, that sounds good, and that'll wrap up episode three here, and we'll see you guys Sunday, and we'll see you guys next week, KC just, Corner. Just remember, Brooks, there's always room in the corner. Always, <laughs> always room in the, in the corner. For you. All right. All right. See, <laughs> see y'all. See you guys.